We are uh, just, just this last Sunday, we started the series Numa, and Numa, that's a, a Greek word for spirit. And we're over uh, a nine-week period of time. We're looking at, uh, I, I say, all things Holy Spirit. But, you know, truthfully, we couldn't even begin to scratch the surface in nine weeks of all things Holy Spirit. But that's the focus that's going to be, uh, you know, given uh, to the Holy Spirit on Sundays, on Wednesdays. Our growth groups are just getting started this week, just kicking off uh, in, in correspondence with this series. So if you haven't gotten in on a growth group and you want to jump in, you could still absolutely do that. And uh, then also about midway through the series, this will be the last weekend in October. It's going to be a whole Holy Spirit weekend. Uh, Kairos Friday night and then Saturday, uh, you know, kind of conference day, uh, all day Saturday. And then in our Sunday morning uh, services, we have a special guest that's coming. We'll tell you more about him and his ministry uh, in the weeks to come. But just want you to get that out. I love that that's kind of right smack in the middle of the series. And then we we have all of November uh, just to be pursuing the things of God together, you know. So uh, across our church family, we're in all different uh, places of spiritual growth. Some of us have been in the Lord for a while. Some of us are newer to, you know, walking in a relationship with the Lord. You know, I know for me at 19, that's when I invited Christ into my heart. And since I could remember, I remember going to church and believing in Jesus. But it wasn't until I was 19 uh, that I, I surrendered my life to him, asked him to be my Lord and Savior. Uh, and then it was even a time after that where I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I realized that there was a, a dimension and a depth of walk with God um, as just a few years earlier, I could have never fathomed, you know? So part of what we want to do in this series is uh, just take each, each one of us wherever we're at and just root down a little bit deeper in the Lord. Uh, and then, of course, that, that's not just individually, but corporately together as well as we pursue God, as we gather together corporately for us to begin to understand more and more what God's design is for worship, what God's God's design is when we gather together and pray, uh, and, and to learn how to move and flow with the Holy Spirit when we get together, right? It's, it tells us in Scripture, where two are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, the Lord says, right? You know, so uh, it, it really should be that we're not expecting any two services, or any two prayer meetings, or any two Wednesday night Bible studies to be the same. Because uh, Holy Spirit works. He distributes his gifts uh, as he wills. You know, so, you know, we plan and we prepare prayerfully, looking for the will of, of the Spirit in, in all that we do. But we also recognize that there is uh, a spontaneous working that's going to happen when we gather together. And, you, you know, when we come together corporately, the more we realize that, the more we'll be able to move in step with Him uh, for all that He wants to accomplish. And how many know the things that, that God wants to accomplish are things like salvation, and wholeness, and deliverance, and miracles, and, and bringing joy, and breaking off bondage, and sorrow, and baggage. That's what he does, you know, but uh, he's not going to, um, I mean, there, there's no such thing as, as being mugged by the Holy Spirit, right? You know, it's going to be as we surrender. Now, there can be an atmosphere that enough hungry hearts create in a room, you know, where, where man, we just, we benefit off of that, 
but that's not the culture that we want here, right? We want it to be that each of us together were pursuing more and more, you know? So we began the series uh, just this, this last Sunday morning, just starting off with this, just asking the question, so who is Holy Spirit? And, you know, when we look at the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it can be that we sort of take for granted just that he's here and is just going to do his thing. And we could almost, uh, if we're not careful, there can almost, and and I I think this is something that by and large can happen in the church. It certainly happened in the church through the ages uh, where there can be a, a neglect of Holy Spirit. You know, because how many know we, we won't flow with the leading of God's Spirit accidentally, right? It's, it's not something, and, and in fact, if we are so distracted and we are not uh, in any way desiring to listen and hear for His voice, well, then we won't, right? You know, so uh, we want to really understand that, oh man, when, when, you know, He's speaking and He's doing, uh, and we want to turn our ear so we can hear what He has to say. So this evening, Wednesday night, more of a Bible study. Sunday morning's a little more of a preaching, a little less time, a little broader of a, of a crowd that's coming in on a Sunday morning. But this is really going to serve as a part two uh, to springboard off of what we looked at on Sunday morning, asking this question, so who is Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And I just really looked at three points just this last Sunday uh, that, that the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit, and we acknowledge that He is a person that he is God, and that he is fully God. You know, and so we looked at some things that we don't want to absorb from culture where we lessen the Holy Spirit. And we looked at this in light of the fact that, you know, the Trinity, you know, was kind of seeded and hinted and perpetually uh, more and more glimpses of it in the Old Testament. Uh, but, you know, ultimately it's this picture of it is, you know, our, our God is one God, one essence, but three distinct persons in that Trinity. Amen? Amen? All right. So in that, what we want to do now today is we want to continue and look at uh, what are some of the symbols that we see in Scripture for the Holy Spirit, and what do these things say about who He is? So, uh, man, there's, there's just a, a long, long list of these different symbols and types that we can look at. Uh, I grabbed seven of them here tonight. Uh, the first two are, are what we would see uh, on the day of Pentecost— and then other things that I think are really significant for us to grab on the front end. And, and, and again, this is all serving as a bit of introduction, but if we could, I want to invite you tonight, um, don't, don't sit in your chair and listen from a, okay, I'm about to hear a sermon mode. Amen? Can you listen like we're engaging in a discussion? And in this discussion, we're, we're, we want to dialogue about, so if this is who Holy Spirit is, what does this look like in my life thus far? You know, have I been open? Have I been hungering? Am I aware of the work that he's doing, the work that he wants to do? And then let's let him put his finger on maybe an area or two that he would want us to leave here tonight really, really pressing in on. You know, so uh, in fact, uh, I know uh, that was just such a great, you know, prayer into the message here tonight. Um, let, let's just, let's just uh, one more time say, Lord, we are hungry for more of you. 
and Holy Spirit, we, we are, we recognize, we, we've begun this series understanding uh, that it's you that indwells us. It's you that's working in the church. And so let us have a hunger. Help us to have ears to hear. And as we look in these seven areas tonight of who you are, Holy Spirit, just quicken this to us. Make it alive to us. And help it be that these things that we look at help us walk more and more, more consistently, more deeply, more faithfully, uh, more hungrily after you and with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at these, these uh, seven different symbols. Again, not, not exhaustive, but just uh, important ones for us on the front end of our, our series. So the first one, biblical symbol of the Holy Spirit. The first one is wind. The wind of the Spirit. And we, you know, worship tonight uh, recognizing that. So uh, really what I want to do about each of these symbols, I just want to unpack some things about what are, the, what are the characteristics of wind that we want to acknowledge. And then we want to look at some scripture and just tie it all together. So like I said, a little more of a discussion format. Um, I'm going to give more scriptures than I had for putting up on the screen. Otherwise, I, I think, you know, I would have made Cammie's poor fingers fall off. So I was just adding scriptures as I was going through studying here. So some will be up on the screen. Others just, just listen. And what we want to do on each of these, again, we want to lean in and, and try to get a picture. So what's the picture being painted by this symbol? And how am I interacting with the Holy Spirit uh, at this point in my walk with God? So, uh, so, you know, wind, right? The wind comes from uh, the heavens, not the earth. But the winds affect people on the earth. And that's a great picture, just like what Holy Spirit does. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. When the day of Pentecost came, there were all together, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So that's, that's a pretty intense picture, huh? Where it talks about mighty wind, violent wind. You know, I know... Uh, there was a, a drama practice here. Uh, I guess it was, let's see, it was resurrection season drama practice, right? You, you all wound up in the basement because we had, in New Jersey, I guess it's becoming a little more common, but there was a tornado warning that was going on while practice was going on at the church. And I remember one of the folks that was here was talking about, man, there's the sound of a wind blowing, and then there's that sound that's like, whoa, I better run for cover. You know, and that, that's kind of the picture that we're getting here. This is an intense, you know, the, the word here translated in the NIV is a violent wind um, filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh, so, you know, the interesting thing we see in scripture about wind, you can see wind move something, you can feel wind on your face, but we can't actually see the wind, right? We, we see the effect of the wind, uh, only what it touches and what it moves, uh, if we look at John 3, verses 5 to 8, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So man, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff that's in that. But again, this whole picture of, of you know, the wind blowing, it's, you, we see the effect 
uh, you know, if, if the Holy Spirit is, is being symbolized as a wind, first of all, we have this picture of, man, there can be great intensity at times with the move and the blowing of the Spirit. Uh, and, and oftentimes, it's the effect of the move that we're seeing. Uh, Jack Hayford, who was ju- just a man, one of my, one of my favorites. Uh, he's gone home to be with the Lord, uh, but he was a, um, uh, a leader in the Pentecostal church in our modern era. And he said this, the Holy Spirit comes as wind. The Holy Spirit coming as wind depicts his power and his guidance. When Jesus tells Nicodemus about the new birth experience in John 3, 8, He tells him that it's not like a tangible birth where you can see the baby is born, check the clock for the time of its arrival. The work of the Spirit breathes into a life. And something transpires that people cannot recognize. There's a dynamism, but also a gentleness, like a wisp of a breeze. You can't necessarily see where it came from or where it goes, but all of us can attest to the times when God has come and dealt with us, and no human being knew how it happened. Hey, can we agree with him on that? Yet yeah, we, we've had those times at Pentecost, uh, Acts 2-3. It wasn't a wind that blew in. It was the sound of a rushing wind, like a hurricane. That sound, not the sound of the people speaking in tongues, is what drew the crowd in. The Holy Spirit as sovereign God is dynamic, irresistible, and unstoppable, Right? I mean, when a, when a hurricane is, is, is blowing through, everybody braces. You, you know, it's a question of riding it out. You know, that's, that's looking at the destructive force of a hurricane. When we look at this on, on the, the God attribute, it's there is no stopping Almighty God. Right? So we get this incredible picture. This is Holy Spirit that's dwelling inside us now. So the Holy Spirit can be as forceful as a hurricane and as gentle as a summer breeze. So let's talk about wind from the aspect of it being cleansing wind. I mean, know that wind also has a cleansing element. Uh, you, you know, in, in my yard, uh, as a matter of fact, let's see, if I'm looking in my backyard, I don't believe there's a tree in this neighbor's yard. I don't believe there's a tree in this neighbor's yard, but there's two in my yard. And it drops just a monstrous amount of trees in my yard. And I am not heartbroken on those years where a strong cleansing wind blows through my yard. And I get up the next morning and I say, oh, where'd the leaves go? Looks like I don't have to rake them up. Gee darn, you know. The other side of that is, you know, I don't know if you've ever, ever had this on recyclable morning, you know, where you stand up your recyclables on a windy day, you know, and, you, you know, I've, I've been the guy who it's mine that are blown over and all over the road, you know, and, and, I, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm making a mess. I'm littering. Let me run out there and pick them up. But then there's other times where I've left during the windy day and I've come home and not only is the bin uh, dumped over, but they're just gone. Everything that was inside, that cleansing wind, I don't know, they're probably somewhere like in Pennsylvania by the time, you know, that wind was so strong. But, you know, the the idea of Holy Spirit blowing in and through us, blowing out the garbage of sin that that has collected in our lives, right? There's an awe, there's a humility, there's a reverence that I know these, these uh, disciples were, these believers were, were experiencing on the day of Pentecost when, when that sound like a rushing, mighty, violent wind uh, came into that place. Can you say amen? And, and then, you know, when we look at wind, you, you know, there's also an aspect that, that's uh, here in Scripture of it being breath. 
You know, uh, we, again, we sang it today, the breath of God. Um, you, you know, the word inspired oftentimes uh, is this idea of God breathed. You know, where it says in Timothy, all scripture is inspired, all scripture is God-breathed. So there's this idea of wind uh, being God's breath. Uh, The Holman Holman Bible Dictionary talking about wind, the natural force which represents in its extended meaning the breath of life in human beings and the creative, infilling power of God and his spirit. That breath of life. John 20, 22, uh, uh, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Interesting. The, the wind of the Spirit, they, they received the Spirit by, this is the disciples before the day of Pentecost. He breathed on them. And then on the day of Pentecost, it was a, a rushing mighty wind. Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel prophesies to the dry bones in the valley, and the bones begin to form into bodies, but they have no life. It goes on in that chapter uh, where he's commanded by God, prophesy to the breath. Isn't that cool? Prophesy to the breath and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. That's what God has called you and I to be as the body of Christ, a vast army that has been breathed on by the breath of God. Come on, can anybody say amen? I'm preaching myself happy here. Amen. Uh, so we see the Holy Spirit as breath, and you know, how cool, uh, our breath shows life. When we breathe in and out, it shows life. You know, it's, it's the breath of the Spirit in us showing spiritual life. Genesis 2-7, God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. King James said he became a living soul. In the same way, the Holy Spirit gives us life in the spirit, spiritual life. So uh, in summary, on this, this point here about Holy Spirit and wind, Holy Spirit brings life. He can manifest as a gentle breeze on a very hot day that feels so refreshing, but he can also blow like a hurricane if prompted to by the Father. And we can be filled with the breath of God uh, and blow where he wants us to go so that our lives bring the breath of life to bear on others' lives. So isn't that cool, right? We are, God breathes on us, not just for that to be uh, entirely um, experienced and used up on ourselves, but he he works in us so that we can be uh, him to others around us. So in essence, the spirit within us can uh, breathe into another person's dead lungs and bring them back to life just like a person doing CPR on another person does in crisis. So may it be, Holy Spirit, that we experience the wind, the breath, not only for our own lives and our own spiritual uh, being alive, but for us to be that for others as well. Amen. And then, uh, so second, let's look at fire. Holy Spirit, another uh, super common uh, symbol is fire. And fire is often used uh, as the power and presence of God. 
So, you know, we're, we're thinking of his power, we're thinking of his presence. Um, the tabernacle, right, in, in the Old Testament when uh, the Israels were delivered from Egypt and they were in the wilderness and they built the tabernacle uh, at nighttime uh, from the Holy of Holies, uh, the, the, the fire of God would, would be a pillar at the tabernacle and, and uh, be presence and light and covering and protection for them at nighttime. And again, back to Acts chapter 2, when that sound of a rushing mighty wind came in, in verse 3, says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. We go to the, new, uh, uh, the Gospels, uh, Matthew 3, verses 11 and 12. Uh, this is John the Baptist. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So, hey, what does fire do? What, what, what else do we want to glean out of this picture? Well, uh, fire penetrates. Fire consumes the object that it touches. Uh, it consumes dried up and dead stuff. It changes the composition of that which touches it. Amen? We are touched by the Holy Spirit, and, and there's a change that's done in us that isn't done by self-help, that isn't done by willpower, that isn't done out of human intellect or habit. It's literally a change of composition that happens. And uh, it will consume an object if it's allowed to burn. So uh, preaching, which is said to be on fire, is influenced by the Holy Spirit and has a penetrating effect to it. It'll burn deep into a person's heart. Prophets were known in the Old Testament for their message of fire. Uh, this means that they cut to the heart of the people like fire burns to the core of an object. Uh, Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. We just started reading about that in Acts chapter 2, the wind and the tongues of fire. And then Peter stands up and he preaches, and uh, he preaches in the fire of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and several thousand are, are born again and added to the church that day. And, and yet we, we can look all the way back through, uh, back to early Old Testament, and God himself says that he is a consuming fire. So let's look at some verses, uh, old and new, that talk about God as a consuming fire. Malachi 3.2, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launder soap. 1 Corinthians 3.13 in the New Testament, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. Notice that's capital D. Right? That's the day that we stand before him. Uh, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. First Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the spirit. Isn't it something with fire? There's times where we're doing everything we can keep, to keep the fire lit. 
You know, the campfire where we try to get the marshmallows going for s'mores, you know, and the fire's going out and everybody's dashing around. And, and then there's times like just, a, a, man, a couple of months back, I come home from a trustee meeting on Tuesday night and, and go to sleep. And I'm awoken in the middle of the night of neighbor pounding on my door saying we've been evacuated because uh, they're doing some controlled fires on, on uh, uh, fires out in, you know, whiting area out that way that had gotten out of control. And, you know, these, th- this fire had jumped the the burn line where they were trying to contain the fire, you know. Uh, so there's times where, you know, in the natural, it's putting the fire out. It's not putting the fire out. But, you know, this verse in Thessalonians 5.19, it's talking in the context of Holy Spirit moving in, in the midst of the people. And it says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't put out the fire. We can jump back to Deuteronomy 4, verses 23 and 24. Be careful to not forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not, uh, do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Amen. Other aspects of fire, uh, the fire of the Holy Spirit illuminates our life. You know, uh, a fire is, is a light for our path. So we can see clearer. We can see brighter. Uh, it, it's uh, when used as a light, it prevents us from tripping and falling on something that we don't see in the dark. We have a little nightlight down on my ground floor that uh, if I'm coming downstairs, like as we're starting to get into, you know, it's, it's getting darker, uh, or it's, I should say uh, it's getting lighter later in the morning, you know, and uh, if we don't have that light on, that trip down the stairs is a very, very careful trip down the stairs, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm feeling around and I got to go really slow, but man, when that light is on, it's an entirely different ballgame right? And, you know, God's word, right, is a lamp for our feet, but Holy Spirit is fire. And that fire of God's spirit will light the way for us when we're walking in this fire, when we're living in that fire. Fire as it burns also releases heat to warm us. You know, we talk about Holy Spirit being the comforter, you know, so so there's a comfort and a warming that comes, uh, you know, in those cold, dark times, right? We, we, we like being close to the fire. And fire spreads because it's contagious. And it can and will set other things on fire uh, because of its nature. Uh, let's look at 2 Timothy 1, 5 to 10. Everybody tracking so far? Hey, are you still kind of letting this wash through your mind? Like, so, all right, Holy Spirit, how are you like wind in my walk? How are you like fire currently in my walk? Let's look at 1 Timothy. In fact, uh, it's a good time to bring this up. Uh, it says this, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit, uh, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of, or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. 
Wow. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So notice all this stuff that we just read through there, you know, is on the other side of him saying, fan into flame, that gift that was on the inside through the laying on of hands. So again, we'll be talking more about corporate lifestyle with the move of the Spirit among us, but, you know, this idea of we don't want to let the flame go out. A couple other things about fire, and then we'll move on. Fire is a fuel, right? So, you know, fire is a fuel used for uh, a lot of different things. How about fire on metal? What fire does for metal? Different things. It purifies in all of the right ways. It softens in all of the right ways. It will harden a metal. You know, when we talk about metal being tempered, that means it can withstand heat in the future. Man, all really cool things to, to grasp about what Holy Spirit as fire wants to be in our lives. So in summary, we can uh, be set ablaze by the Holy Spirit and become a fuel source for others spiritually. We can burn brightly for Jesus and make a difference in this dark world. Uh, I talked about, you know, the fire brings light to our path. Uh, who was it? Was it Wesley who said, I just set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn? You know, kind of a thing. So as we live on fire for the Lord, it's going to light the way for others and they'll be attracted to the light as well. And then fire is empowerment to witness, uh, uh, you know, to have enlightenment and truth, uh, comfort in the cold, and it purifies. All right. So uh, let's look at the third one here, uh, Holy Spirit as water. Come on, wave at me if you've heard that, you know, Holy Spirit being uh, signified to water, right? A lot of us have. So water is a symbol of purification and cleansing. Uh, it's the medium for baptism. Uh, baptism in water represents death to the old life and raising to a new life in person. Uh, it's the symbol for, renew, uh, for renewed and cleansed life. And so the Holy Spirit is likened to life-giving water. So let's look at a, a great portion here in John 7, verses 37 to 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So man, this incredible picture of, man, the, the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water pouring out of us. And he's saying, man, if you're thirsty, come and drink. Uh, neat looking in Hosea chapter 14, verse 5, I don't have this one up on the screen, says, uh, I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. So I, lo I love that whole idea of rivers, you know, kind of like torrents of living water uh, down to just like the dew on the grass doing a deep nurturing work, right? So we need the Spirit's water uh, or the morning dew, His refreshing, He's, uh, his, Him being the life-giving source so that we can bloom and be blessed. John 3, 5, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. So think about it, right? In, in natural life, if there's no water, then there's no life. 
uh, according to scientists and conver- uh, conservationists, uh, uh, is literally uh, what sustains life. It's water, right? Uh, nothing grows without it. Um, there's no fruit produced or yielded. So really, in a sense, without water, there's no harvest, right? Um, so water represents the life-giving quality of the Spirit of God who desires to live inside of us. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. So, uh, you you know, water is there to wash in, uh, to be cleansed from the filth of this world. Come on, just, just testify with me. Have you ever had just a week where the world has just been particularly yucky to be in? And you get to church, and the saints were just worshiping together, and it's like spiritually you feel the hose just just washing off, washing the world off. Come on, wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. Isn't that beautiful? That's one of the things that's so precious about coming together, you know, and and worshiping together. Uh, So, you, you know, all of this is speaking to the cleansing aspect of water, but it's also refreshing as well. You know, if you've been out in the yard working and then, you know, just a refreshing shower, you're, you're kind of revived on the other side of it, right? Um, so it brings refreshing and strength. So Isaiah 44, 3, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your, on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. All right, so in summary, so, so what you're going to see is we're going through the seven. I spent a lot of time on the first one, almost the same amount on the second one, a little less, and I'll be working through all these because I really wanted to hit on, you know, um, the, the aspect of on the day of Pentecost, we had the rushing mighty wind and we had the tongues of fire, uh, but Holy Spirit is just as importantly all these other things, but I wanted to make sure we, we hit those first two really strong. So, so in summary on water, uh, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit to bring life-giving water to a dry and parched land, um, and uh, we can see fruit produced in our lives by the Holy Spirit. Uh, We can see a great harvest come in through our Spirit-filled lives if we will allow Him to immerse us in His presence and power. Amen. Everybody still here? All right. All right. Good. So let's go to number four. So now we'll go to some, some of them that we clearly see in Scripture, but maybe not quite as commonly used. Uh, but this is really cool in the New Testament. Uh, he's a seal. Uh, Ephesians 1.13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So the seal is the heavenly mark a believer receives at conversion. Uh, It is the seal of a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Right? We have this earthly body is still, you know, wearing away, you know, still getting older. I just, you know, had, had an extra amount of yard work in this last week, you know, and I was actually talking to Pastor Tom about it, and I said, yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm a little more sore, you know, 
and then I was going to tell him what's sore, and I'm like, my back's a little sore, my legs are sore, my arm, my hands. Actually, maybe I'll just tell you what's not sore, because that's a shorter list, you, you, you know, uh, kind of a thing here. So, um, you know, th- this body is, is, is uh, still diminishing and, and wearing out, but this, this picture of the seal, the Holy Spirit as a promise of our full inheritance, where we will get the day where we have a new glorified body. You know, so, so it's, it's, you know, we have what we have in this life now uh, to walk with Holy Spirit to accomplish everything he wants done because after all, we're just pilgrims passing through. And then that deposit is, is there until we are in that day where we are, we are entirely, you know, we get that new redeemed body and all the other great parts of, of the promises of what we have because we're children of God. That's exciting stuff. Amen. So, uh, the, the seals also convey the importance of the person and the office and the authority. Uh, so, it's a mark of recognition that a person is a son or daughter of God, right? We think about that. How, how, how much have we really let ourselves grasp that we are sons and daughters of God Most High? that we are royal priests and kings, that we have ambassador status on his behalf, that literally we have been adopted into his family. You know, the the ramification of that, that's who we are positionally. And then, you you know, how much we can grasp grasp that is how much we will walk it out uh, in, in our daily lifestyle, right? So the seal is the spirit of adoption who assures us that we belong to God and that we're a part of his family. And the Holy Spirit is a a deposit guaranteeing entrance into all of our inheritance. Now, seals were used on official documents in the past, and some documents today are sealed with hot hot wax even still. I know I got a wedding invitation fairly recently. I just thought it was so cool because they did the whole, you know, wax seal thing on it. I just thought that was really cool. Um, So, you know, we know when the wax is put on this important document, this seal, um, then an imprint was made with the official seal of the person that was sending the document. So that, that's the picture we want to have. In a similar way, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit to show that we're a part of God's family. So what's the summary, you know, pulling this all together on, on this symbol here? Uh, um, we are authorized, we have authority, and we have been adopted. Amen. All right, let's go to the next one. Number five, wine. Holy Spirit is wine, as new wine. Uh, Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So interesting, right? That the Holy Spirit, you know, we got this picture of of fire. We have this picture of wind, you know, uh, water, you know, and then we have this this picture of wine. So, you know, so what what do we what do we pull out of that to understand who is Holy Spirit, you know, in, in regard to this symbol? Well, you, you know, when you think of wine, right, uh, we think of joy, 
right? I mean, uh, and, and, and let, me, let me maybe make this a balancing statement because I don't want to make it sound like, in fact, let's pass it around now. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is like, you know, you think of somebody, you know, put it this way, on the day of Pentecost, right? The Spirit was poured out and then the response of the people to the wind and the tongues of fire. Now, now keep in mind, and they're all speaking in, in other languages. They're speaking in tongues, you know? So, so let me just ask a question. If, if, if you were with a bunch of students, let's say, that you know didn't study any second language at any point, and all of a sudden, one is speaking Chinese, and another one is speaking French, and another is speaking German, another is speaking Spanish, you wouldn't look at them and you wouldn't say, these kids must have gotten drunk. You know, I can't believe that they're speaking all these languages, you know? So there was such a joyful, um, undignified worship in response to God that was pouring out all over the street, that the, the initial look at it from outsiders were, was, uh, are these guys partying? Are these guys drunk? You know, what is all of this? This is, this is such a level of joy that we don't see and experience in normal religious settings. Ouch. Come on, can you say Amen. You know, it was, it was, it was new wine. It, it was, it was uh, an I'll get more undignified than this kind of a response. It was a I'm not going to worry about what anybody thinks. It was kind of this unbridled, I am just extravagantly pouring my praise out unto you, God. That was a result of the wind and the fire being poured out. Can you say Amen. And we know, you know, so this is a joy of the Lord. And here's the thing with wine. If we, in the natural, it's a drug. In the spirit, it's a blessing. Right? That's, that's exactly what we see there in Ephesians. Don't be drunk with wine that leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the spirit. And again, I always, I always thought this was, this was so neat and telling in the, in the verbiage in the Greek there, it says, be being filled with the Spirit. You know, so it's this picture of continue to continue to fill up and fill back up and fill back up. And then there's a joy, and we know Scripture tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, Peter's sermon, you know, in this, this whole experience on the day of Pentecost, there was, there was incredible joy. You know, so what does is, what is wine typify uh, even in, um, you know, weddings and feasts and things like that? Prosperity, boldness, bounty, that kind of a thing. So uh, really cool picture that's used here in Scripture. And again, something really, really awesome uh, for us to understand that as God pours out His Holy Spirit, uh, there will be opportunity for joy. Again, that's not based on our circumstances, but it's based on God filling us up. It's based on His presence, based on because He's here, because of his presence, there's just such a fullness of joy in him. Can you say amen? All right, let's go on to number six, oil. The Holy Spirit uh, anoints and consecrates uh, anyone called to service. And hey, we're all called to serve. So first, Samuel sixteen thirteen. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Uh, then in the New Testament, this is Jesus in Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me 
to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Amen. So that's the the mission of Christ, and we are the body of Christ, filled with the Spirit. Amen. So uh, in the Scripture, there's a parallel in the operation of the Holy Spirit and anointing oil. So the act of anointing indicated the bestowal of authorization. There it is again, right? The seal, having a seal, there was an authorizing. We also see that in the anointing of oil. There's an authorization through the Spirit to act in certain capacities. I just want you to just let, let everybody let that, let that kind of soak in. Holy Spirit in your life is as anointing oil, which means that you are authorized to operate in certain capacities for his kingdom. That is the releasing of the gifts of the Spirit. They're released severally as he wills so that the kingdom will advance. So uh, it, it's the empowerment of the individual by the Spirit to fulfill whatever calling that God has called us to. So kings were anointed, the kings of Israel, priests were anointed. Uh, in establishing the priesthood for Israel is really a, a beautiful picture, of, uh, and, and this is a picture we want to understand of the Holy Spirit being poured out when the priests were anointed. You know, it's like this picture of, of a bucket of oil being poured over his head, dripping down his beard, running all the way down to his feet. You know, that, that's the image we want to get of the anointing, the enabling, the empowering, uh, uh, the authorizing. Boy, that word is just shouting out in my heart uh, as we're sharing this here tonight. We've been authorized uh, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit to see God's kingdom advance. Uh, we just, just have to listen, step out, trust Him, and walk in it. So uh, also prophets were anointed, uh, and then, of course, Jesus was anointed, and believers are anointed. Hey, there's another aspect of anointing let's recognize here too. We, we read in James chapter 5, again, I don't have this one on the screen, but uh, it, it asks, hey, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So let, let's, let's understand that in the Holy Spirit, there is a medicinal aspect of being anointed, of the anointing uh, happening in the Good Samaritan. Th these were dots that I was just connecting. I, I, I didn't see this quite so clearly as in preparation for tonight. Um, the Good Samaritan, he bound uh, the, the guy who was beat up and mugged on the road, right? He, he bound his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. That was medicinal. Uh, and then uh, set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. When Jesus sent out the 12 two by two, uh, he, he uh, among other acts, they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. That's Mark 6.13. In the 23rd Psalm, thou anointest my head with oil. And that's a whole picture of, you know, the, the sheep, when they would go out of the sheep pen, uh, that the shepherd would be there ready with the oil and, and um, you, you know, administer the oil uh, to help wherever there was wounds, uh, other things that went on with that too. But oil also, so in addition to the medicinal side and the, uh, the authorization side, uh, oil in Scripture is used to keep lamps burning. 
that, That was true in the holy place. So it was vital in the tabernacle and the temple that, that the lamps would never empty out. Goes back to that picture of be being filled, right? Um, so without the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our churches, uh, spiritual darkness, you know, w- will be around us. Uh, oil flows everywhere too. It can get in the smallest of places. I know that when, when we have times where we're anointing with oil in services, you know, it's like the oil sticks around for a while, you know. So from a spiritual perspective, that's a really good thing. The oil gets into even the hidden parts of our heart when we yield to Holy Spirit. Uh, this is how the Lord discerns the thoughts in intents uh, in intense of our hearts. So summarizing, oil was used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit to show that he heals, illuminates the darkness, anoints, enables to fulfill the divine roles that we're called to, and he symbolizes a seal of God's chosenness and, and, uh, and of his presence. Amen. All right, we're on the last one. I wasn't sure if we we're going to get to seven, you know, but we got to the last one that we're going to look at here tonight. And this is probably the one when we think of, you know, New Testament picture of Holy Spirit. How many thought the first picture that came to mind was the dove? Anybody? Yeah, right? You know, we think of the dove. So uh, Matthew 3.16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And man, there really is so much when we look at this symbol of dove, Old Testament, even looking at Noah and the dove going out from the ark, there's so many different things. But, you know, we'll just, you know, for the purpose of our study tonight, you know, this, this looks at some of the aspects of Holy Spirit, his gentleness, again, yet powerful. Uh, that, that's the, the working of the Holy Spirit, gentle and powerful, uh, that would come through the life of Jesus and his ministry, and then, of course, his body. John 1, 32 to 34. Again, you can just listen. This one's not on the screen. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven as a dove and remaining on him, talking about Jesus. I I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen it, and I testify that this is the Son of God. So uh, also the dove, uh, a symbol of purity, right? The white dove of peace, of new life. So again, Holy Spirit is holy, pure, truth, uh, purity, gentleness. We know fruit of the Spirit, all the things that we think about fruit of the Spirit are this, this dove aspect. Um, so the Holy Spirit gives life and gives new spiritual life. So uh, a dove is noted, again, as a gentle creature uh, that can be easily shooed away. So no wonder that Paul uh, warns the church against grieving the Spirit. You know, so we talked earlier about the fire aspect and not quenching the Spirit. We think about Holy Spirit as this gentle dove. We don't want to quench, we don't want to grieve the Spirit either. So, Jesus gives peace. This is a picture of, you know, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit as a dove, there is definitely this aspect of peace. And how many would say, I could use a little bit more peace in my life? Amen. I got both hands up. (laughs) <laughs> all right. So, hey, as we come in for conclusion here, all of these symbols, 
Help us to understand the ministry and function of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about this. Some things will overlap with this a little bit when we talk about the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives on some of the messages that come on Sunday morning. We're going to break out a little bit more on baptism in the Spirit and Pentecost and, and uh, uh, speaking in tongues and the, the different gifts and prophecy. We're going to get into all that stuff. Uh, just on the front end, we want to have this foundational picture of, uh, okay, and, and this is tying back to where things started on Sunday morning. Uh, this is relationship, not religion. You know, so we looked at, you know, if, if, if somebody was to say, you know, tell me about Annette. And I came up here and I described all these different attributes where, you know, if I did my job right, you would walk away saying, I really have a clear picture of who she is. You know, that, that's, that was the goal here tonight, that we could go away and saying, all right, I've got a, a sharpened, a refreshed, maybe some new thoughts on this is who Holy Spirit is, and this is who He wants to be in my life. Amen? Amen. So if you're able, why don't you stand with me as we close? Let's just, uh, just wrap this up in prayer. And, you know, I just want to continue the prayer that we uh, prayed Sunday morning, which was just dedicating these next several weeks uh, for the Lord to have his way. And even some of the things that we prayed earlier about there just being a fresh hunger. Amen. Amen. So Lord, we bless you. We love you. Precious Holy Spirit, Hmm. Let's just allow a moment, Stephen, let, let God search us, that we would walk out of here tonight having, hopefully, a little bit of an inkling, here's what God really put his finger on for my life. And maybe for some, you just, you, you'll mull it over, and at the time you least expect it, God will drop that on you. So if you don't get it tonight, don't, don't worry. But let's just, just, just give a moment just to say, Lord, speak. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We do ask, Lord, tonight that you would Help each of us, not in striving, but from heart, from relationship, from hunger, help each of us draw closer. Lord, I'm thinking on how you have just been reminding and reminding and reminding over this year for us to be sober too that which distracts, that which clutters. And to live on purpose according to what matters most. So even realizing we, we started started unpacking that in January, and now 10 months later, we have this 
two-month season of time to really focus in on being immersed in your Holy Spirit. And the world has not gotten less distracting, Lord, so we say help. (laughs) Help us to be able to thrive with you in whatever circumstances of life we find ourselves right now, God. And we do ask just over these next several weeks, lead us, speak to us. We pray new heights. We pray new depths. Pray for revelation and understanding, Lord, that we would have eyes to see you and ears to hear you and that our hearts would be softened toward everything and anything that you'd be speaking to us. And Lord, we're, we're just asking now in, in these different beautiful symbols of Holy Spirit, we're, we're asking, we're submitting, we're yielding, And we're saying, Holy Spirit, come like a fire and burn up everything in our life that has to go, that would be in the way of us drawing closer, that would be in the way of us being perfectly in step with you. We trust you. We just say, you have access to all of it (laughs) and just burn up all that's not of you. Lord, let us live in this place of being at the altar And let us live in a place of allowing that fire to consume so that we would be purified, so that we would be strengthened, so that we would be lined up to walk out all that you have for us in this season, Lord. So we do commit ourselves into your hands. Lord, just while we're praying now, just around this room, Lord, wherever there's need, we pray, Lord, that you would touch every heart. Lord, wherever there's physical need, wherever there's... uh, spiritual need, wherever there's stuff going on, mind, soul, Lord, that you would just touch and heal hearts, Lord, wherever there's struggle, wherever there's battle, Lord, just pray if there's any place where there's discouragement or brokenheartedness, where anybody's weary, God, we pray that you just come touch and, and, and fill each person and take away all that's in the way. So we do just thank you for all of this, Lord. We commit ourselves into your hands Lord, let it be through the remainder of this week till we're gathered back on Sunday that it just be steps forward in you for your glory. And so God, all this we pray together in Jesus' mighty matchless name, amen.